pressure was getting here. We're in the World Series right now. There's no pressure. I mean, um, like I say, it's pressure in the NLCS when you're trying to get here. We all want to finish this off, but there's no pressure. I mean, we're one of two teams remaining in our sport, and there, there's no, you know, I don't know that these guys have, I, I've sensed any kind of pressure out of these guys internally. Um, you know, the only, the only time I hear about that is in this room, because in that room in there, I don't ever feel it. Brian Snitker, manager of the Atlanta Braves, ahead of game six tonight between the Braves and the Astros from Minute Maid Park. This Blair and Barker. Uh, Brad Lidge, the MLB Network, will join us in a few minutes. Former Astros closer, of course, a World Series champion in 2008 with the Philadelphia Phillies. A couple of things I do want to, I, I, or one thing in particular I want to say about what Brian Snitker said, Kevin, is... I've always I've always had a difficult time buying into the idea that if a team makes it to the World Series or for that matter the Super Bowl or the Stanley Cup or the NBA Finals. Yeah, listen, I'm I'm as quick as anybody to look at a team and say they choked. But I don't play that game when it comes to a World Series or the Super Bowl. I, I, I think when you get to when you get to the finals of whatever sport you play, at that point, to me, the definitions and the outlook has to change. I, I'm a believer. If you go to a final to a finals and you lose the final, you. I still think your season's a success. I still think your season's a success because by just by getting there, you've overcome. Mm. You've overcome a lot of odds. It's like, you know, we used to always have, we have this argument. We used to have this argument about the Buffalo Bills going to four Super Bowls. And the Minnesota Vikings is a Vikings, former Vikings fan. You know, we used to talk about them going to the Super Bowl and not winning and chokers and blah, blah, blah. Once you, I think every team starts a season wanting to get to the championship game and it's, or the championship. And I think most athletes realize once you get there, it's competition, right? Nothing's guaranteed to you once you get the championship game. So I, I just, you know, that's why as we talk about who's got pressure on them, I kind of think that Brian Snitker is right here. I think the pressure is getting to this point. I think the pressure is the NLCS. This yeah. is this competition. Yeah, well, what, I, my, my question would be, what do you want him to say? He's not going to come out and say, yeah, it's, it's tense in there. Man, you can't even walk through no, that. But, They're but so I nervous. Think, but, look, I think yeah, that, you, but, but that's something I think we need. You know, look, we asked Shulman. I asked Dan Shulman. I asked you, who's got the pressure on him. Who's got the, it's possible that neither team has a pressure on right now. Yeah, you would think the Braves don't in the clubhouse because they have a 3-2 to two lead. If they lose tonight, there's going to be pressure. There's going to be pressure on that starting pitcher to get off to a good start, keep their team in it, to give them a chance to win it late. That's just human nature. I've been in big games before, may not in the World Series, but I've been in some big games. Pressure everywhere. There's, there's a lot of there's. It's very tense, very quiet in there. There's, not, there's rarely a lot of uh, chatter going on when if, if you know. Even you noticed uh, about when when they were talking about the Astros and their at bats, they weren't chasing as much, and there was more uh, attention to. to to what they wanted to do with the plate. There was more because they knew there was no tomorrow. 
Mm-hmm. And you could argue if the Braves would have had Charlie Morton, this thing would be over. We'd be having a whole different conversation. That for nothing, you have Charlie Morton, that game's probably over. So, yeah, look, Brian's very good at, at being a, a calm face in that clubhouse, even though he has some veterans sprinkled in and out through there. But there's tension in there, just like there's tension on the other side. They're, they're, this is big-time baseball. This is, there is no bigger games than these games. And everybody's watching. There's nobody else watching. There's no other games being played. Every little thing that you do wrong, everybody's going to come on all these shows and say why you did it and you shouldn't have done it and the moment was too big for you. Like the pitcher. You know, I, I said the big the moment was too big for, for Valdez. I, I I just saw what I see and I say it out loud and I just, look, these are these are big-time games. These, these guys know what the, what the how big they are, how huge they are, how big-time every pitch is, how good they, they need to get off to better starts. Astros need to have better at-bats. The, the the Braves need to make better pitches earlier in counts with two strikes, with two outs. Both teams need to be better, making better pitches when it matters the most. That's pressure. Let's talk about the approaches that these two teams are going to have to have tonight. Uh, let's start with the Astros' approach against Max Freed. I don't want to hit the breaking ball. I don't want to get in breaking ball counts. He's throwing that. He's got good feel for it. It's going to be a long night for you. You hope he doesn't do that. You hope... That you can get into those count, those swing counts. I said that's like yesterday. Swing counts where you can have an educated guess on what window he might throw that pitch to, because he's got four different pitches to guess along and try and look fastball. I don't throw fastballs enough that you can guess. I look fastball all the time because I want to get myself in an athletic position to be able to hit velocity. But if I do that, that gives me a better chance to have maximum collision with secondary pitches in my window. So Max Freed, I ain't looking breaking ball early. I'm looking in my window early till I get to two strikes and choke up. I have my two strike approach. On the flip side of that, with uh, with uh, Garcia, look, he's a he's a cutter forcing guy with a lot of movement out there. A lot of things are going on. How do I control myself enough to where I'm not chasing? I'm not on my front foot because now he can get easy outs because he throws me off mechanically. Stay within yourself. Don't try and do too much. Sounds easy to do, but the team that can do that better, quicker, early on will have a better chance to take the guesswork out of it for their manager. That's the whole one thing is if I can if I can mechanically take all that stuff and maybe get Garcia out of the stretch early, I got a good chance. I feel confident that my lineup can do damage against him. So, so if you're a Braves lineup, you try and get him out of the stretch quicker. Freed, if I'm facing Freed, if I'm left-handed, Huh. maybe I scoot closer to the plate. I try to eliminate one of his pitches. He likes to throw all four of them to lefties. Throw all four of them to righties. I can't hit all four of them. Mm-hmm. I'm looking in my window early. I'm look probably elevated early in a count. And I try to stay in the big part of the field. Big part of the field doesn't mean the other way all the time. Big part of the field could be the pull side too, but I stay in the big part of the field. What big part does keeps me connected from the ground up and gets length to my barrel. Gives me a better chance to have maximum collision. I can do that because I have talent. I have a better chance of stringing together good at bats, and if you do that, you've got a good chance of winning at home. It's very rare, isn't it, that you see a left-handed pitcher that can throw all his pitches to both sides of the plate. Like That separates, a, a, it, that makes you an elite. It does, lefty. but him being left-handed in that short porch in, in, in Minute Maid, will he go away from that? Early on, he, I think he was trying to establish four-seamer. He didn't have command of it. 
when you don't have command of something, you got to go to something else. You don't have feel of, you don't have good finish to it. A good lineup takes advantage of that. That's what they did early. They get a little bit of a lead. Makes it easier for Dusty to make moves. Do his thing. Will he go against that? Will he thought me, I'd love to see him throw more sinkers early. You got a little bit more room for error throwing the sinker, elevating the four-seamer, and now you can spin that sucker. And stay away from your slide. I think his slider for me anyways is third or fourth best pitch. His best two pitches could be a mixture of four-seam, sinker, curveball. Throw more sinkers. That'll keep it on the ground. Keep it away out of the air, away from that short porch and left, and sprinkle in the big yacker. At least if I get beat, you know what I can say after the game? I got beat throwing my best I got stuff. my. I gave it to them. They hit it because they're a good lineup. I got beat. But at least I threw my best ones. Do you think as we get deeper into a season or as, as, as a pitcher gets deeper into a season or deeper into a series, there is more of a tendency to try to outthink the other team or to try to overthink, you know, because this will be the second time you face the Astros. Now Mm -hmm. it is late in the year. It's going to be your last start of the year. Uh, It's been a long season. Do you think that pitchers tend to, everybody says to keep it simple and, you know, and simplify things, but isn't it human nature to kind of at this stage, Almost think too much if you're I, a pitcher. I think you got here for a reason. If you're if you're uh, if you're Max Fried, you're one of the best pitchers, if not the best pitcher in the second half in baseball. Why 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 change it up? I'm good. My st- I trust my stuff. If I somewhat locate it and I stay out of a, of a pattern of sequences where that guy knows, okay, with two strikes, he's he's throwing this. Oh, oh, he'll throw this. If I stay away from that and you can steal a strike occasionally with a secondary pitch, you can command your sinker a little bit better. You can elevate with two strikes. You got that cooking. Who cares what the other guy can do? I, for me, it's more about that this time of the year. Trust your stuff. Know and do it with conviction. He puts the finger down. I got it. I'm going to throw it there. I hit his glove. Most of the time, I'm going to get people out. Yeah, and we've got to remember, too, the the last time Max Freed faced these guys for game two, he game two of the series, he gave up six earned runs, seven hits, five-plus innings. But he, he had a lot of I, – I don't like describing a guy's outing as tough luck, but he had a lot of tough luck, that, uh, tough luck in that game, including – you know, Yuli Gurriel rolling that ball through the through the infield for what the third time this year or something like that. That's he threw him three fastballs in a row. That that's my point. Mix it up a little bit more. I have a better idea of what why that guy's taking two fastballs down the middle. We probably don't want to throw him a third one at least in the middle of the plate. Now it was down off the plate, but it's still in the middle of the plate. Make better pitches that way. You don't give that guy a chance of finding holes. That's my point. Here is you got good stuff if you think your way through it and and have an educated guess on the mound of how that guy's trying to attack you, and you feel like you have good enough feel of your secondary pitches, Max Freed's good. He believes that going out there and can somewhat locate the sinker and have good feel of the breaking ball. I think this is just me. I know I picked the Astros in seven. I got a good feeling the Braves are going to win tonight. That's just me. You really have no very little confidence in Garcia. Absolutely not. You? <laughs> I just... I just I don't know what he – a cutter, four-seamer, and a deception. And there, and here comes Dusty. That playing – that Dusty thing is going to come into play. I said he, he's going to have to make a tough decision. When do you take him out? First time through, you, you, you push it, you're pushing it. 
Tucker Davison. I'm, I, I'll bet you a thousand times over that if you ask Brian Snicker, yeah, do it over again. Would you let Tucker Davison face the second time through the order again? Absolutely not. We had him by the throat. We were up four two. He gave us a decent chance, and he wasn't commanding most of his stuff. Why would I run him back out there again? Dusty, same thing happens tonight. What are you going to do? Uh, bounce something off you that we started talking about. I think it was it was actually it was actually the Do- the Dodgers division series. Uh, but this uh, David Adler of of MLB.com kind of got me thinking a little bit. Um, there were 2,213 stolen bases this year in the regular season, which is the fewest in a full year in 30 seasons. You look now, the postseason, so far there have been 45 stolen bases. There's a possibility that we're going to have two more games. It's, it's a possibility that we could finish, if, if you get to 50 steals, with the fourth most stolen bases in a single postseason. 95, there was 59. 99, there was 56. 2008, there was 51. Right now, as I mentioned, we're at 45, which is the sixth most. Uh, I know we, we talked about this a little earlier, uh, about the impact of all these pitching changes and how, and it was with Ned Coletti, talked about a lot of relievers don't do a good job of holding base run. Hell, a lot of starters don't do a good job holding base runners. It's a lost art anymore. So it's a lost art now. And the uh, highest stolen base percentage, by the way, 91.8% so far this year. That is the high, highest stolen base percentage in a postseason. Are we going to see the stolen base come back into the game? Playoffs, maybe. Regular season, why would you do that? You paying these guys any more money to steal 40 bases? If I'm a guy who can hit 40 homers driving 100 runs, why would I steal 40 bases? Why would you try and do that? First of all, ask Mike Trout how hard it is to stay on the field when you're trying to steal bases. It's not. He's had to adjust his game, sliding head first and and calf issues because they're running around the bases. Why, why would you Why would you even take a chance on, on doing those things if you're not going to get paid to do it? And that for me is the ultimate thing there is maximize while you can make a big deal, big contract. If stolen bases is not a thing in the regular season in, in the playoffs, it is because it's hard to string together multiple <laughs> hits against guys. Right. So you take chances on guys that can get better jumps and on people out of the bullpen who aren't very good at holding runners on. You take chances in because of how hard it is. And that's something you're not going to work hits. on. You're, you're not you going to work in on in the regular so, season. It's a, are you? It's a bloop and a bomb. No, but I mean, season. if you're a pitcher, it's not something you can, hey, let's get together and work on holding runners today. Eh, oh, you're before paying. the game five of the World Series, probably not going to happen. Absolutely not. Just don't let them on base. And, and like Machete for the, for the Astros, he's pretty good at throwing runners out if you do a decent job of holding guys See, close. The, re- the reason I ask this is I really think that uh, – I really think this this is going to be an important part of the Blue Jays – game next season and seasons going forward. Uh, it would be interesting to see with the swing that Bo has. That's the one guy that whenever you said that, Bo and Teoscar. The, the, if Bo can play shortstop every single day consistently for the next five years and add that element to his game more, can you be a 30-30 guy consistently for the next four or five years to stay on the field? Or would you rather him try to be a 35 
95 to 105 guy, hit 300, and back off with the stolen bases. It's, it's, a, it's a lot to ask guys to do that unless you're paying them for it. Uh, it's, a great, it's a great point because we've talked about Bo's swing, and there is violence to oh. that swing. And you know what I want from Bo? I want 157 games from Absolutely. Bo. That's what I want. Absolutely. And plus if, playoffs. Plus playoffs. If if Bo gives me, like, th- this is why I love the stolen base, and I love that it's part of his game, and I like the fact that he, we know that Bo picks a skill every off season and works on it. One of the things he did was work on getting a better start, work with sprint coaches, all this stuff, getting a better start. But as much as I like that being part of his game, I've also seen enough from him as a hitter now that I'd kind of like, I I worry that maybe he's going to do too much. I worry that maybe there's too much violence. Violence is the wrong word. There's too much effort in his game, maybe. Is it, is, is he needs that, a little bit more controlled I'm, aggression in his thank you. every you every part of his game. I I just think next year say he's hitting cleanup. It's a lot to ask. Okay, Bo, I want you to hit three hundred. I want you to hit thirty five homers. I want you to drive in one hundred five runs. Oh, by the way, I want you to steal thirty bags. So you and, just and basically I, you take what you can get what what you get from Bo and you, stolen you bases. Don't, you don't want to put any any. You don't want to you know back him off on anything, but you do want him to be smart, and that's all about being a baseball player. That's learning how to stay on the field every single day. I brought the stat up yesterday about Mike Trout not staying on the field right. enough. Yeah, that, that's a thing. It is. Oh yeah, it is. It's absolutely a thing. Just being able to have your name penciled in the lineup every single day. Can he do that and steal steal all those bases, hit all those home runs, play shortstop at an elite level? We don't want him just to be an average shortstop. We want him to be an elite shortstop. Is that the make next... the routine plus a special ca- uh, play four times a week? Is that the next? A lot. If I asked you, as we're, we're focusing on Bo, if I said to you, what part of his game would you like to see him work on and come into camp measurably better next year? Is there is there a part of the, of his game? Is uh, it is it is it defense? Is it throwing? Is it what work? What what is it? Leg kick, size of his leg kick. Okay. OO counts before you get to two strikes. I don't want him having a two strike approach. OO. I don't want that. It's just too much. Too that that, that puts that, that backs him off too much of who he wants to be. And 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 for me, yeah, he 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 fought it last year with the size of the leg kick. Guys were quick pitching him, slowing him down, make him stand there a while. Uh, this is can can he. In the offseason, make an adjustment. It could be a small one. It could be he widens out a little bit more. That doesn't allow him to raise the leg as high because he has a leg kick to gain momentum. Everybody wants maximum collision. That's the whole point in having that. That's his trigger. Can he shorten the trigger to get the foot down on time, to get in an athletic position, to level out his swing a little bit more, to have length to the finish of his swing? That's the whole point in that. I don't want him having two-strike approach all the time. If it is, then you just you, – then you – you put limits on who you are as a player. We don't want that with Bo. Bo could be special, and he hasn't even tapped into who Bo is. I don't think anyway. I think Bo could take it to a whole different level. But that would be the first thing that I'll be looking at in spring training. I'll be having conversations with him and people around him that know him. Has he thought about now? It's be hard. The year he's coming off of, he will say, he would say it to me. Why would I? Why would I adjust? You see my year? 
but you could be a 40 guy. Mm-hmm. You adjust that leg kick. It's a little easier to get the foot down. And I'm sure his dad's had conversations about being quieter, shorter, more, more efficient with his lower half. It enables him to drive baseball, stay in the big part of the field, use the entire field before you get to two strikes. Two strikes, and before two strikes with that approach, he's eliminated half the field. Because now he's a he's a right field, right center, right field line guy with the no leg kick. I don't want that. I want him to be able to get the head out, get frisky out occasionally. Oh, whoa. Oh. Eh, that's me. I'm greedy. It's a great player. He can be greater. Yeah, I've... The defensive thing, I've, I'm past that, Jeff. I'm done with that. Well, you're not going to have any more. At least I'm not having a conversation about moving him. And nah, He's the no, shortstop of the Toronto Blue Jays now. That conversation has been over. Has has been put to bed. We've given, we've had, going back to that playoff series against Tampa last year, and then some of the hiccups he had earlier in the season, it was a talking point. But to me, it it was put to bed by the way he finished the year. Again, he's he played all those games at shortstop. He was in the lineup every day. His offensive numbers speak for themselves. Yeah. I, I'm I'm with you. I the idea that you are going to sign a shortstop and move Bo to second. I mean, I don't know. I guess if Carlos Correa yeah. called the Blue Jays and said, "I want to be with my buddy George Springer." That maybe we could do it, him but I ain't doing it for him. to do that because you got two guys you're about to have. Right, to. but I'm I'm not doing that for I'm not doing that for anybody else. Literally, he is the only guy in the game. I would make that I would I would make that decision for, and that's not going to happen. And I'm with you. I think Bo Bo's your shortstop. Uh, you know, you Bo's your shortstop. You give him a little bit of help, maybe on the right side of the infield. It's also interesting how he became a hell of a lot more comfortable when Santiago Espinal was beside him at third base and getting to some of those balls that. Guys weren't getting to I earlier give, in the year. I give Louis Rivera credit. It's not about arm strength with him. He he has let that be known without saying it out loud because of the internal clock thing. Yeah, he's got enough arm strength. I I used to be the one who just didn't have enough arm strength. Yeah, you momentum towards the target just right. doesn't look like he has that. It wasn't that. It was the internal clock of knowing how much time you got between the guys when he puts the ball in play and touching first base. How much time you got? You got to be in a hurry, or you can flip it over there. And it was more about that than it was setting your feet, momentum, finish towards your target. Now, all of that's true because that adds, you know, you want to give that elevated throw to Vladdy. You don't want Vladdy over there stretching, you know, all the way like he is because sooner or later he's going to tweak something. When he tweaks something, he's not in the lineup. Then the Blue Jays aren't as good Mm -hmm. with him not being in the lineup. So you want head throws. Throws around the bill, the cap, chest, those things. But Louie, Bo, Santiago Espinal, all of those guys said, I need to fix this. They fixed it. And for me, Bo's the shortstop for however many years Bo wants to be the shortstop. That's what I love love about watching Carlos Correa throw the ball. Just in, it, internal internal clock. But it's also, you're right, it's it's Bill, it's it's head. The number of times that Guriel makes the catch Absolutely. in front of his face. Absolutely. Don't want to pick it. Just only somebody picking a ball at first base, I used to try and do that, is a lot of luck. You put yourself in a good position that allows you to have better luck, but a lot of that's luck. Weight hits the ground. It could hit a pebble, bounce up one way. Yeah. It could short hop you. It could hit off that that edge of the grass and the dirt and take a, a weird hop, and there's a lot of things go into that. You're in the big leagues. You, nine times out of ten, you should be able to hit me in the chest. Do it, and he does it.
Brad Lidge is an MLB Network analyst. He is a World Series champion with the Phillies. He was also a former Astros closer. We'll talk to Brad Lidge about how pitching is being used, or as some people would say, abused in the World Series. This year, Barker's rolling his eyes. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Game six of the World Series goes tonight on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590. The fan, see Luis Garcia on the mound. For the Astros, for the Atlanta Braves, will be Max Reed as uh, the Braves look to win their first World Series since 1995, which is uh, a long time to wait for mm-hmm. World Series. <laughs> it is. They're due. For World Series. They are due. They've... Uh, we talked a little bit yesterday about the, those great Braves teams and how they so often came up short for one reason or another. Yeah, uh, in the World Series, and now that it's, and I think they what do we say thirteen, fourteen straight division titles, something like that. Um, so, I'll, I'll I'll be sad for for either whichever manager loses. I'll be sad for that manager. I, I root for the manager. You can tell Brian Snicker's a, a very nice man. He's very easy to play for, and Dusty's Dusty. Be, uh, for me, it's not so much about the teams as it is the managers, what Brian Snickers had to go through to be where he's at today and the opportunities that he's getting. And Dusty, we, we all know what Dusty's been through and what, what he's went through to get to where he's at, and uh, I'll be sad. Brad Lidge is MLB Network radio analyst. He is, of course, a former Astros closer. He is also a World Series champion, and he joins us on Blair and Barker. Mr. Lidge, as always, we appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We were just talking a little bit about, you know, as we go into this game six uh, with Luis Garcia starting for the for the Astros, and nobody, I, I don't think, really having a great deal of confidence in how many innings he's, he's going to be able to give Dusty <laughs> Baker. Brad, what would it be like? What would it be like to be in a bullpen right now in the World Series? It's a great question because it is very different uh, now than it has ever been, but even more so this particular year. I mean, look, we've seen this evolution being used less and less over the last five, maybe maybe seven or eight years, especially the last five and especially the last couple, but now even more this year because we don't have any great starters left in this World, in this world Series. Uh, the Astros obviously lost their – uh, best starter Lance McCullers before the World Series even started. So we know, you know, the, the guys in the pen knew they were going to be asked to do more uh, than than normally expected. And, and what's normally expected, you know, these days in the postseason is quite a lot from the bullpen. Same thing on the Brave side, though. Um, obviously, these guys are, are being expected to do uh, just an absolute massive amount of work. Uh, Charlie Morton goes down uh, in that first game, and you know, with the, with the broken tibia there, so or sorry, fibia there. So all of a sudden now, both bullpens are being exhausted. And I look, I kind of said at the beginning of this World Series, the team that's able 
to kind of try and stay away from their from their biggest guys, the guys that are going to throw in the most important situations, stay away from them as often as possible early on uh, so they don't die from overexposure out there, you know, facing the same hitters night in and night out. It really does catch up to you, as any reliever can attest to that's thrown in these situations. When you're in a seven-game series, the last thing you want to do is face the same hitters five straight times over seven days because the advantage big time swings to those offensive players. And uh, it's unfortunate for these relievers that uh, despite not uh, you know wanting to do that, that's exactly what they're going to be asked to do. So you go into the series, and what's crazy is you're probably going to, as a reliever, probably going to have to mix it up a little bit. I mean, we just saw A.J. Minter, who's been pitching outstanding for the Braves out of the bullpen, he finally uh, you know, got some hits uh, against him in this last game there in Atlanta. The Astros were able to – they hadn't touched him before, but all of a sudden now they were getting some hits in game five. He walked a few guys, so it's like they were starting to solve him a little bit. And now if you're in the bullpen there, you know you're going to be asked to do a ton of stuff these next two days. I just hope – I really do. You know, I heard you guys talking about Snicker and Dusty, and they're just fantastic guys, fantastic managers. I really hope they extend the leash on their starters a little bit tonight. Give those guys in the bullpen a little bit of a break because, you know, you could easily see a scenario where they yank both of those guys here in the, in the third inning, and even if they're throwing well. And uh, that's, that's, that's never a good sign. I think, uh, you know, starters these days in the, in, the, in the postseason, you have no idea, even if they're throwing well, how few innings they're going to actually pitch. Can you, can you explain to me what, what when uh, A.J. Mentor was throwing to Martin Maldonado and he came up that one at bat that he walked with the bases loaded, he crowded the plate. Yeah. Can you tell us what yeah. that does to a pitcher? Well, I think it can wreck, uh, wreck a guy's focus a little bit. And it seems strange to say that because, um, you know, you know, not have the ability to just cope with someone standing a little bit closer to the plate. Well, we, we certainly can in a regular season. You make an adjustment. But in an event like that where you've pitched against him several times and, you know, all of a sudden he steps up, toes right on top of the plate. Now, you know, Maldonado was saying he was doing that to get a better look at his kind of cutter slider that comes on the inside part of the plate. And that's possibly true but also i think his game plan the entire time maldonado was to get up there and to not swing he was going to put all the pressure uh, on aj mentor to throw strikes and when you have to throw strikes and when you know a hitter is not swinging uh regardless of where they're standing in the in the box it, it all of a sudden becomes a very odd feeling where you know you're going in there and in 99 of the time what you're trying to do is miss the barrel of the bat so you're throwing pitches that start as strikes that appear as strikes and then they break out of the zone and that's what Minter was doing. But all of a sudden, Maldonado, you know, not swinging, um, you know, it puts a different thought in his mind. And when he's standing right on top of the plate, you also don't want to hit him. So all of a sudden, that, that slider that's breaking down and into him, you're thinking, okay, I got to maybe backdoor this thing or, or, or do something different with it. But that's not how you've been throwing mm. for probably the last month in a row every single time. So it's weird. I mean, little strategies like that, um, they can pay off sometimes. Now, if Maldonado did that again tonight, it, it wouldn't pay off. I think Mentor would be able to get out there and, and right from pitch number one, be able to make an adjustment. But it was just enough in the right circumstance to throw him. And it did. It, it certainly wrecked his focus. It certainly uh, wrecked his understanding of what you know Maldonado was trying to do, and, and it, it paid off big time. It was a great strategy by Maldonado, who clearly on that three-one count pulled out the old little league, you know, fake bunt uh, take uh, type, uh, you know, take there. So he was able to get that free pass, that walk. But it was a strategy that that really paid off in that moment. For for Max Fried to be really good to get off to a hot start and go deeper and have her longer leash, like you talked about, is there one specific pitch of his that you think he needs to establish early? to be really good 
Yeah, it, for sure. It, it's the fastball into right-handed hitters. And what we've seen from Max Fried, you know, he, he's a he's got a lot of great pitches. He certainly has a kind of cutter slider that he throws into righties as well. Uh, good changeup, you know, great velocity. But his best pitch when he's on, he kind of works a fastball slider combo into right-handed hitters. But he's got a, the first game he wasn't able to quite get it inside enough to those right-handed hitters. It was on the inside part of the plate. It wasn't kind of on the inside corner or even a little bit uh, off the corner inside to righty. So what happened is the Astros knew he was going to be pitching in, but he was some of those pitches were leaking kind of on the middle third of the plate. And so eventually they were able to, to get the – you know, a few hits. It's not like the Astros hit him really hard the first outing, but they were he wasn't quite executing just right on that fastball into right-handed hitters. And that will be the key for him tonight. If he's able to get that thing in there enough where it's on the corner or even in off the plate an inch or two, but he's kind of forcing him to swing, that will set up his other uh, cutter, his slider, his curveball. Everything will play off of that fastball in. So if he's able to establish that early, he's going to have a good game. But again, what is a good game? You know, is, is that four innings, five innings? I, I guess we'll kind of see what, what Snicker has in mind. Obviously, the Braves have a little bit longer leash with, uh, with Max Fried, knowing that if, even if they don't win this game, they, they still are alive in this World Series. The Astros, you know, that, that leash with Luis Garcia, it's going to be short for sure, even if he's doing well. You, you uh, said something a little earlier that I found really interesting. I'd like to expand on it a little bit. You talked about how, as a reliever, with with all these repeat appearances, you might uh, you might want to mix it up a little now. I, I, and and I wanted to ask you this because I, I would imagine, frankly, Brad, it's easier for a starter to quote unquote mix it up a little more than a reliever because a starter, I would yes. assume, would have more pitches. So how do you go about mixing it up as a reliever? Are we talking about maybe I don't know pitching backwards or how would you describe that? It, it, it's a great question because as a reliever weapons you've got your two best pitches and that's what you're going to night in and night out so how do you mix it up so the answer really to that is that you're going to change your approach you're not going to all of a sudden create a you know a change up if you don't throw a change up uh, but what you are going to do is you know instead of being someone who uh, you know in the case of mentor uh, likes to really kind of get that that slider down and into right-handed hitters uh, you know stuff breaking away from lefties he might decide to start with, with uh, throwing some of those backdoor sliders or start throwing you know, fastballs away, attack a hitter away a little bit. So you're really changing approach by changing location. And uh, even though that doesn't sound like a, a big change, when you're facing the same hitters night in and night out and your game plan has been the same against those guys every single time, they start to lock in, okay, I've got to be ready for that fastball in. I, I know he's going to bust me in. I've got to be ready for it. That's how I'm going to get this guy. And all of a sudden, you might not give it to him, and, and that can kind of wreck his at-bat. So there's just little – maybe the first two pitches every time you've gone out there and you've gone fastball slider, pitch one and two. And, and you know, so, so relievers really need to be aware, and they need to go back to the video and, and check their, their, their pitch charts and see what they've done to these hitters time in and time out because you can fall into trends and patterns, and the hitters start to really gain an advantage because they know how you're going to attack them. You've got to be able to mix that up if you face them already three and sometimes even four times uh, already for some of these guys. So it's more just a mixing up of patterns and, and, and approach, and especially with location, because you're right. Like you're, the starters have you know system B where they can throw different pitches. Relievers, it's still you know, just about everybody out there is a two-pitch reliever. Mm-hmm. Okay, the, the, the Kendall Graveman threw 37 pitches in game five. I would assume they have the lead somewhere late in the game. He'll get the ball. He's a sinker-slider guy. 
Any challenges for him coming off something he's not used to doing, the the many pitches, the batter's face, that kind of thing? Well, you know, I think with the day off, he's going to be just fine. I, you know, I, I don't think you uh, necessarily expect him to throw, you know, two innings a day, uh, but he could maybe be extended for an inning and a third, an inning and two-thirds. I mean, it could potentially be the last game of the year for the Astros, and I think the adrenaline that comes with that, I mean, I remember pitching those, you know, in those games as you get down into the World Series and, or, or late into innings. Uh, championship series, you know you're going to be asked to extend yourself. You know that that's going to happen. But there, there would be two things I would say for Graveman. The, the extra adrenaline that he's going to be having right now will eliminate without doubt any, any concerns that you might have in terms of pitch count or if he can go even more than an inning. I think he will be able to for sure. And then the sec- second thing was uh, the ball's coming out of his hand really well right now. He feels fully healthy. You can tell. Uh, and, and he looks great out there right now. He's letting it go without any hesitation. So I wouldn't be worried at all that there's any residual effects from those pitches. He was throwing free and easy, and he looked like he had great stuff. So I, he looks super healthy to me right now. This may be a dumb question, and I, I'm going to ask this because I've never been in a World Series. Is this hard to control adrenaline? And is there something you can do? Is there a drill, something that would help you control that in game? Um, listen, I mean, it is, it is definitely hard to control the adrenaline that, that kind of continues to just pour on as the playoffs where, uh, kind of continue on. And, you know, literally every single series, you know, you, you're sleeping a little bit less. You're so excited to get to the ballpark. You you know, you're there like for 10 hours a day, but you find yourself getting there even earlier and earlier because you just want to be a part of everything right now. And so, you know, the only thing I can say is that, the control of the adrenaline has to start, you know, way before you get out there on the field. Like you got to be practicing some, some breathing exercises and, uh, and ways to relax in your mind before you get out there on the field. The toughest thing in the world is sitting there waiting until you have to warm up to pitch, because once you start warming up, you start actually doing something physical and you kind of allow that adrenaline to kind of come out when you're actually, you know, doing your, your craft, when you're actually pitching and warming up. And, and that's when you really got to start, you know, focusing on breathing and, and just trying to relax and get in your body because it is, it is easy to get overhyped in these situations. It's easy to get out there and airmail a few pitches. And uh, if you're not practicing, and, and, and by the way, just about everybody nowadays is practicing with like, you know, I mean, every team's got like a, a you know, meditation coach, a breath coach, a mental mm-hmm. strength coach. I mean, they've all got, you know, different coaches to help guys get through this stuff. But um, yeah, it, it, you better start practicing, you know, all that stuff way before you get into the game or you're in a lot of trouble. Brad, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much, man. Great insight. Be yeah, well. That's great stuff. All right, guys, you bet. Have a good one. Enjoy Take the care. game. Thank you. That's Brad Lidge, MLB Network Radio, former Astros closer, World Series champion in 2008 with I the hope Phillies. That, I hope that wasn't a dumb question, but I, yeah. I, I just, you think you have so much time down there to think about when you could come in the game? It, if, you, if you just haven't been there and done it before, the, the old saying is you can't teach experience. Well, how, Kevin, do, how do you figure out ways to control breathing? That's a big deal. Well, like especially that's, now, because and that's why I asked Brad that question initially. Especially now, because who knows when you're going to be used? Absolutely. Yeah. Now it's a, if you're if you're the closer, I mean, you've got right. a real you got a realistic idea. Oh, let's put it this way: if you're the Blue Jays, right? Let's say the Blue Jays are in the playoffs. If you're Jordan Romano, you probably have an idea how you. How the hell if you're Tim Mesa, where you're going to be used? Yeah, if you're on one side, yeah. Javier, a Yemi Garcia, Phil Maton, you probably don't really know when you're going to come in the game. On the flip side of that, Luke Jackson, do you really know? A.J. Minter, you might come in early mm-hmm. in the game. 
Is Dylan Lee going to get used? Is Kyle Wright going to get used? There's certain guys. Jesse Chavez, when would he get used? Probably after a starter, but there's so many things that go into preparing yourself physically. I think sometimes as a fan on the outside looking in, it's about that controlling the breathing and, and figuring out, okay, if I control this and it's just free and easy and my finish is good, maybe it'll go where I want it to go. And those guys that know how to do that and control all those parts of it are better at it than, than other guys who aren't. And it's just interesting to hear him talk about there's, there's, did you actually have to think about it, which is kind of cool well, part and, of it. And, you know, Brad would know Brad, Bradley slider was just, was a deadly, deadly, deadly pitch. It was one of the, one of the premier pitches when he was around. And that's why I asked him about, okay, how do you mix it up as a, as a reliever? Because, you know, what, what a, John Smoltz say during one of the telecasts, the more often that bullpen door opens, the greater the likelihood that somebody's going to make a mistake. And you are dealing now. You made this point earlier. Every set of eyes in the game right now is on you. It's on what you're doing out there. There's no more advanced scouting. There's nobody to get ready for next series. Every trend Every burp, every fart is <laughs> yeah. is charted. Somebody's somebody's yeah. somebody's watching it, and I often wondered about that. If you're if you're a guy like, you know, most of these guys, by the time the World Series is over, Kevin, most of these relievers are going to see almost everybody at least once. That's that's why for me we they talk are. we talk about the Blue Jays all the time, filling their their bullpen up with stuff. This time of the year, it's not a lot of the times about location and, and sequences. It's about, I got a good slider. I got a, a high-velocity fastball. I'm going to see if you can hit it. Mm-hmm. And it's not about nibbling and falling behind. It's here it is, see if you can hit it. And that's what both of these teams, at the back end of their bullpens, Kendall Graven might be a big deal. 99 with Sank, that's playing this time of the year because we talk about the hitters or the, the pitchers being tired. So are the hitters. How many swings? Hitters have taken yeah, that are in the these games thing. as part of the year. Yeah. How many How many swings do you think Bregman's taken oh just in the last two weeks? Just trying oh to figure goodness. stuff out. Yeah. It's just crazy, and that, that's a cool part of it. And just, just both, all parts of it. We, we talk about the, the good teams that play good defense, throw the ball the right way, throw strikes, but it's the little things that these good teams that do it better than the other team most of the time win the game. Yeah, and there's there's really a – there's an element of time management here at this point of the year, too. There's an element of time management. How do you go about ensuring that you're prepared? How do you go about ensuring you know, that you're well rested? You you have to manage. You have to manage time. Lidge, you have to manage time. Won a World Series. He's obviously because he said you got to have breathing exercises. Yeah. He's actually done them. That's experience. That's yeah. you learn how to control it so you can. Everything that you worked on off the field translate on about, the field. It's cool to hear. Uh, it's cool to hear a guy like that talk about stuff like that. What was the guy talking about? I see. I hadn't. I hadn't viewed. I. I didn't view Martin Maldonado's bat through the eyes of Brad Lidge, but Lidge put it perfectly. Two true outcomes in the game now. Mm-hmm. How is the pitcher? Do you react when somebody goes up there and says, "I'm just not swinging." Yeah, throw me a strike. Try to find the strike zone. I am not swinging. And 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 that's where you get to because you're right. AJ Mitters, his pitches, he wants him to break out of the strike zone. He wants to miss barrels. Well, if nobody's putting the barrel down and there's no barrel to miss, yep. 
It's like anything else. If you say to somebody, throw it in this hole, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And, and You're not going to do it with a cutter. No, you're, you're not, not going to do it not. with a cutter. And oh, by the way, yeah, we're not giving you some, you don't have any couple of warm-up pitches to get it in. You got to throw it in that area. Absolutely. That, that's a very intriguing mindset of a reliever who had seen a something he rarely sees, if ever seen. Yeah. AJ Minter's seen a guy that, that usually stands that far off the plate and then won it back with the bases loaded. He's shrinking you, the strike zone. You made the point. Guys will move. We talked about like, our friend Moises a little like, bit. But guys will move back. Guys will move around in in the box. But generally they do that to put themselves in a better position to make contact. Right. Or they're generally doing it to give them the idea that they can have better contact. They're moving around on the box to not swing. No. I mean, think about it. That's essentially what Martin Maldonado did. Absolutely. He moved around to not swing. I have a better chance of walking than I do getting a hit off this guy. I'm not a very good hitter. I know that. I've accepted that. I'm going to take a 2095 center cut on a tee right down the middle because I think I can get four balls and help that our is, team win a game yeah. and in front of everybody who's watching. I'm betting. It's not easy to do. I'm betting that you won't be able to throw three strikes before you throw four balls. Absolutely. In front of 55,000 people, 60,000 people. And it was planned. He planned it before he walked to the plate. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I beginning, I'm beginning to see now why Dusty stuck with the guy. Me too. I I, Me I too. really am. I was a little skeptical to start. I thought, okay, yeah, you know, great defense, yada yada, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, fine, but come on, you know, it's a World Series. You need, yeah, yeah. But I'm seeing now. I maybe in some ways, Martin Maldonado is one of those guys who's gonna just. I mean, he 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 just is. He's a guy who's it's below 200 and is more value to his team than. Good teams need two, two quarterbacks instead of one quarterback. You know, the shortstop most of the time is the quarterback. You need that guy behind the plate putting the fingers down with conviction. This time of the year, he's con- I, for me, it's that Danny Jansen thing when I talk to the pitchers and I talk to the pitching coach. They'd rather throw to him than they would throw to another catcher. Yeah. That's a big deal. It's I'm the one throwing it. I have to have conviction, and you putting the finger down, and I know or the runner on third base, you'll block it. That's a big deal to a pitcher. And I think that's what they get from him. And it's rare that you have nine guys in an order who are all really good hitters. But what we've seen, think about what we've seen this year. And this is a good way to conclude this when we talk about Danny Jansen. We've seen a team go to the World Series in uh, Atlanta with a catcher who's all about defense. And I'm sorry, Houston with a catcher who's all about defense, all about pitch calling. And then we saw the Tampa Bay Rays with Mike Zanino, a guy who's about defense and hitting home runs. This kind of gets to our point about about Danny Jansen. There is a way. Danny Jansen is salvageable. You know, he he that that's why I think the Jays hung on to him for so long and have ridden as as long as they've gone with Danny Jansen because there is a place for a guy like that. Providing, you know, providing you don't have five of them with that, that, that are putting up Mar- those Martin offensive Martin Maldonado numbers. would sure look good in the Jays' uni, wouldn't he? Well, you'd take oh, him. And a heartbeat. And, but that, and that's my point. If Danny Jansen turns into something between Zanino and Maldonado, a good defensive catcher with 20 bombs, and I don't even care what you hit at batting average, no matter no. to me. Mm-mm. My pitchers love throwing to you. Yeah, that that's to me the catching situation with the Jays has been settled. Yeah, it's been settled. But if Martin comes calling, 
well, cheaper. You know, yeah, but you're not. I'd rather have him playing three days a week than I would. Yeah, he's not. Uh, the point of this was that I, I think that you're seeing now why the Jays were so willing to stick with Danny Jansen as a catcher. I don't think they were still winning too. Made it a little easier for him when he went down. They were still winning and didn't come about as yeah wasn't as glaring. That is it for us today. Game six is tonight. We'll break it down tomorrow, and I think we're probably going to be looking ahead to game seven as well, Mr. Barker. You've been listening to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan.